Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some, well, USC Trojan football, because that's what we do here on the Peristyle Podcast. USC defeats Washington State 39-36 in a thriller Friday night in the Coliseum. We're going to talk to Dan Weber about that. You guys sent in your questions. Not as many as after the last couple of losses. That's good. I think people have calmed down a little bit. We want to talk about the game and then talk about what this team needs to do going forward, uh, heading into the meat of the Pac-12 schedule. You can send us any questions you have, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. Try to keep them brief if it's a voicemail and, you know, emails, a paragraph or so is good. If you're going to send us like a whole bunch, uh, go out, go on to the uscfootball.com message boards. We'd love to hear uh, all about your thoughts there. On the site where you can write how long, as long as you want. You can write to your heart's content. Uh, we have Keely Yore in studio. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. Hello. What's up, Keely? Uh, nothing much. Glad to be back on a normal practice schedule this week. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so we'll be back on the Tuesday. No Monday, no Tuesday. And then we also have on the line, we don't we don't have like the, we should call it the celebrity line, whatever. We got Dan Weber, uh, the Trader <laughs> Joe's celebrity line or something. What's up, Dan? <laughs> Hey, I'll take that. Yeah, I like that uh, Trader Joe's uh, uh, connection. That, that's good. That ought to be worth something. For sure. Uh, At my nearby Trader Joe's. <clears throat> yes, we. Uh, I was funny. Who was I? I, uh, oh, I had a dinner with Michael Moline last night. You remember, we've had him on the show. He works with USC sure. stats and stuff. And he came down to our little meet and greet Friday before the UNLV game and got a bunch of the Trader Joe's bags and uh, was talking about that. He's talking about Trader Joe's and he got, he got a whole bunch of bags for the whole stats team. And then his wife, uh, she was telling me last night, yeah, she needed like three or four of them because she likes to have all matching bags. So, and they live in Westwood. So they go to the Westwood Trader Joe's sporting their USC uh, Trader Joe's bag. So I thought that was kind of funny. Well, I, I, they came in, uh, uh, they were good for me uh, last week because I took a bunch of uh, books uh, down to the San Diego and I had three Trader Joe's bags filled with uh, my uh, uh, US Miracle Moments USC football book. And uh, they worked out perfectly. And, of course, people would come up <clears throat> to get the book. And they'd say, where'd you get that bag? Uh, you know, they like they were like, you got any of those extra uh, Trader Joe's bags? Those are cool. So, uh, so they, they work really well. So I've uh, decided wherever I take my books, I'm taking them in uh, Trader Joe's bags. So nice. it works out perfectly. Keely, you got any good uses for your Trader Joe's bags besides groceries? Just groceries for now, yeah. but they're the, the hot item around town. They, yeah, uh, they definitely are, but it's... <laughs> They're great. I love. I mean, I love them. We were talking about Trader Joe's quite a bit, but they've they've been great to us here on the podcast. So uh, thanks for that. And then, and Dan's got a new book out. You can get it on Amazon. Dan, you want to tell everybody about your book now that we can uh, disclose it? Yeah, it's out it was there? really cool. I did. I didn't know I mean, the publication. You never know <clears throat> what exactly is going to be the publication date. They start shipping them, and to some extent, it's up to the companies that get them 
when they put it on on sale. So uh, I was down in, uh, in at the San Diego Club, and a guy comes up, and I had you know taken my books and I was signing them, and a guy's got a box, a, a FedEx box, and he's got six of them in there, and this is on Thursday. So I said, "How did you get those? Where six? Where did you get those?" And he said, "I got them on Amazon." He said, uh, <laughs> "You know, they went on Amazon on Tuesday. He had six of them by Thursday." And uh, it was very cool. He's a retired uh, Navy captain who's like from the south side of Chicago. He's like half a Notre Dame fan and half a USC fan. So he had a list of who he, who he wanted me to sign them for. And the first guy on the list was John Heisler, who happens to be the associate athletic director and sports information director at Notre Dame. So he got the first first book for this because this guy said yeah i go to all the notre dame stuff i know all those people so i sent i think four of the books went immediately to the notre dame athletic department so uh so that's gonna that's kind of cool uh, a little <laughs> pretty, ironic but i had no idea they could get them two days after publication you could get them on uh, on amazon so uh pretty amazing how that works but uh yeah uh and if you've got amazon prime i the discounts are really amazing. It's uh, actually like twenty four ninety nine is the uh, is the list price, but uh, I think for those with Amazon Prime can get a really good deal on it. So uh, so check it out. But miracle moments in uh, USC football history. It was very good. I got to read it on my way back from or my way to Austin, Texas. I think I finished like the last two chapters on the way back. But God, it was a, it was a great read. So make sure you go. Check it out. I got to get mine signed. Dan gave me like I think you gave me like the first copy or something. So I I, I don't have it signed yet, but I'll uh, I'll get that. Yeah, I think they 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 send they send you like five right away, and then then you you get the others. Uh, you know, another week or two or whatever, and you have to kind of order those and that. So uh, you got one of those original ones. So uh, uh, I definitely have to sign it for you. And real quick, I just want to let everyone know. Now I posted this. I don't want to get inundated with requests anymore, but I posted on the Peristyle. So for our VIP members, for our subscribers, people were asking, hey, can I get a bag? Can I get a bag? And I said, well, come to the event. If you couldn't come to the event, I said, okay, email me your address and I'll send you a bag. And uh, so. Did you do that? I did it. So wow. this week, all the bag, like I filled up like the, you know, it was kind of a pain in the butt to be, to be completely fair, but uh, whatever. So I took the request. I'm not going to take any more requests now because it was it was like, yeah. And it cost like $3.50 to send one stupid bag out you know, in the, uh, uh, you know, through the mail, just through the post office. It's, wow. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But, I, you know, it was for our subscribers. So I wanted to, anyone that requested it, I did it. Next time you have to show up to the event. So, you know. Wow. Publisher going the extra mile here. <laughs> but people love hey, those bags. I, I can tell you a story. I, uh, my books, the first shipment was a day late. And going to uh, the Trojan football fanatics two weeks ago uh, down in Vista, and I promised them I'd have books for them. So I got everybody, you know, sign up for a book, and I'll mail it to you. And I, I think I, I think there were 21. Uh, so I, I, I ended up having to mail out 21 books, uh, and, uh, and that's a little work. Uh, yes. To be <laughs> and it's not cheap, although there is a book rate uh, that you do get a. Uh, you get a little bit off uh, if you if you mail out books, but uh, uh, I know where that is. Uh, that was uh, that's a lot of work. Yeah, no, just do you know filling up envelopes. I had to put so like three dollar and fifty cent stamps. You have to get three dollar stamps and then like a fifty cent forever stamp. So 
every envelope had to get like the, you know, label, the my return label and four stamps. So it was like four, six stickers for every, you know, and I sent like 35 of them out there. So it was just a lot of like stuff, but whatever. It was fun. <laughs> Um, well, we got to get into talking some football. Sorry. We just kind of got off in some tangents and stuff there, but, uh, Dan initial thoughts or post initial thoughts, uh, you know, get to kind of take it all in. Um, what'd you think from Washington state? Well, what, what was the biggest, what stood out in your mind? Well, I mean, you shouldn't have to score 39 points at home to beat Washington state, but USC did score 39 points. So, you know, that's the upbeat uh, part of it. I think, uh, you know, whatever's happening in practice, JT Daniels is getting better game to game to game. Uh, all those reps that he didn't get with uh, Tyler Bonds and Michael Pittman and, and everybody but Amon Ra, uh, he's getting them now. Uh, and, uh, and it shows. I mean, it really shows what the difference is when you do have uh, have those guys all on the same page, and you start you start seeing Tyler Vaughn's become Tyler Vaughn's again. You start seeing Michael Pittman with the the touchdown you know move that he made, and just the speed that he showed. I mean, he had he didn't look like that the first few games. So I think there's that whole sense of you know if we make a you know we make a play, uh, JT's going to get the ball to us. Obviously, the JT and Amon Ra you know connection is is kind of ridiculous the way. Uh, you know, two freshmen uh, just out of high school are uh, are handling it. Uh, obviously, the better the offense is playing, and I really like the uh, aggressiveness of the the jumbo package, and I like the idea that they weren't afraid to do it and that they worked on it enough that, uh, you know, that uh, JT looked comfortable under center. They looked aggressive as heck when they, you know, they, you know, they really went after people. It didn't look like that, you know, kind of zone read blocking that you're never sure whether they're going to be aggressive or not. I thought they really attacked him uh, up the middle. Vavai looked just, uh, you know, he's just looked good all year. He's up uh, five uh, rushing touchdowns now. So I think that, those are all positives. I think the defense <clears throat> is the thing people got to start wondering about because uh, they didn't have any answers uh, for Washington State. And Washington State, you know, had a, had a grid uh, transfer, Gardner Minshew, as advertised uh, in a typical Washington State quarterback, ex- executed, uh, got rid of the ball quickly, accurate as heck, threw it 52 times. Uh, but you got to figure out something. If you can't get to him, you got to defend the ball in the air. you got to defend the receivers. He didn't seem to have an answer at either end uh, of that equation, and, and that's a little, uh, that's a little disconcerting. I, I, you know, you got to like the fact that Jay Tufelli, uh you know, got the open – lane to get the, um, you know, to block the field goal at the end. But uh, somewhere, somehow, USC, you know, on defense, he has to start shutting people down a little bit more. That, that, was, uh, that was pretty discouraging, I thought. Uh, I think Washington State is really a nice team and, and awfully well coached. And to watch their offensive line with a bunch of, you know, probably two-star kids, if, if that, uh, execute as well as they did, I mean, they didn't have a breakdown. I mean, they just kept, you know, blocking and blocking and, 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 uh, USC's got to get more active. They got to get quicker. They might have to even maybe lose a little weight, some of those guys up front. Uh, but they don't quite look athletic enough, uh, right now. And I think they got to get more athletic and the guys in the secondary got to figure out how to play the football. I think, uh, 
Chris Tavino made a, a great point with the, the fact that they've, de- they've defended 29 passes, most in the country. I think Alabama is next at 28. The difference is Alabama has seven interceptions. USC has none. And just two turnovers, uh, you know, two takeaways basically in four games, which is just, it's just horrible. I mean, that, you can't, you know, you can't play any more passive, I, I think, than that. So, uh, and so all of that, that, you know, that game had everything about USC season uh, in it. But um, gets you a little nervous if you got to go basically to the wire, uh, you know, to hold on against Washington State, who I think is a good team. I'm not sure. Clay said they think they're going to challenge for the, you know, the Pac-12 North. I'm not sure about that, but <clears throat> wouldn't be surprised if they upset somebody uh, somewhere along the way. Although they have a tendency maybe not to always play to the end of the year, uh, Washington State. But uh, I like what I saw, you know, with Washington State. I thought they, I thought they got the maximum out of their talent. Uh, I don't think USC did. Dan, I talked to. The- Talano Hufunga after the game and I was talking about why did the defense have uh, trouble with Washington State and he said uh, he d- he kind of let it slip a little bit that he didn't think the coaches had uh, as much of a good scouting report on Washington State as they did on weeks prior. Do you, How much do you think the short week has to play into their scouting for report and their preparation for uh, Gardner Minshew? You know, that, it's kind of hard to believe uh, in terms of you know, if they didn't have a good enough scouting report, I thought Washington State was exactly what I thought Washington State was going to do. I thought they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. I thought Menchie played exactly the way, uh, you know, I mean, we'd, you'd only seen him in uh, in three games, but uh, uh, and they hadn't played, you know, great opponents, but, you know, they put a lot of points up, and uh, I thought you got to see a lot of, of, um, of, of what Washington State could do. I, don't, I agree that USC – maybe whether it was scouting report or game plan, I, I just thought their game plan looked like on defense, USC ran a defense that looked like it was geared to allowing Washington state to do what they do. Well, that surprises me. You know, you gotta, I, I think you can't just let them get into a rhythm and, um, and just start, you know, playing that possession passing game and just, you know, moving it, moving the ball down the field. I just, uh, I don't think you can do that, but, uh, uh, yeah, they didn't look as well prepared. Uh, I would say that um, against a team that they ought to be able to challenge with uh, the USC defense, they just weren't there. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some of the questions. We got a lot of people writing in and and calling in and texting in about things about the team. I'll start you off with a question about the defense, since that's what we were just talking about. Curtis from Moreno Valley. I watched the uh, rewatched the game. And from a defensive uh, perspective, I noticed something. Every time our defense went with just four-man rush and dropped back everybody else in the coverage, the quarterback had to hold on to the ball so long uh, because nobody was open right away. Our four uh, linemen got to him where he would throw a bad throw or uh, uh, they would almost get a sack. One time we did get a sack, so... Uh, everybody's used to our man coverage and their men get open right at the last minute before we get to them. They get to practice against it a lot. So they know what's coming. Uh, Clancy's got to go to that more often now. We got the athletes to play zone and drop back into coverage. 
uh, in a safe zone. We're just sending four. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Curtis, I thought with the zone that he didn't see him reacting to the ball quickly enough. I, I, I think, like, we watch him, and I think one of the highlights of, of watching practice is when they go seven on seven uh, passing, and they really uh, they play a lot of man. And with the athletes USC has, I don't know why you couldn't play Washington State pretty much straight man and manhandle them a little bit and push them around. But to, you know, to hope that if you drop in zone, and I'm just not crazy about USC zone. I just thought I saw too many guys just standing and kind of reacting late to the ball. And knowing that, you know, you weren't getting to the quarterback, it was just an invitation, you know, for them to just, you know, complete, you know, just keep completing stuff, uh, you know, in front of you. So, uh, you know, if it were me, you know, if it were me, I'd probably try to challenge, uh, challenge them a little bit more. And, and with just the idea that I don't know, I think they hit a lot of quickness. I don't know that they hit a lot of kind of deep speed where, where USC was going to get beat deep. I mean, it wasn't the other mismatch the other way. USC uh, really couldn't be contained by Washington State's defensive backs. They just had to grab you, hold you uh, time and time again. They just knew they weren't going to be able to stay with, uh, with the USC kids. I don't know that that was the case on USC's part. So, so I wish they played the zone as, as well as Curtis thinks they do, but I wasn't that impressed with, with the way USC played, played the zone. Um, uh, Friday. We have a question from Mike from the Bay Area. He says, I've seen enough to know that I've seen too much. Happy with the win, but shouldn't have been that close of a game with the Cougs. Talent stars won that game, and coaching almost cost us that game. It's year three, and I feel they've made little to no progress. With the talent we have in a team in year three of a system, it should not look like this. Or am I just crazy? Thanks for all the hard work you do and content you put into the site. No, you're not crazy. Uh, I just saw today uh, the um, uh, 24-7 composite talent index comes out for the current rosters. And uh, I guess USC's fourth now. Uh, Georgia just jumped ahead of them uh, behind you know uh, Alabama and Ohio State, uh, Georgia and USC. But ahead of Clemson, ahead of LSU, ahead of you know, Notre Dame and Texas and Michigan and all those teams. So uh, probably should not be a 39-36 nail-biter that you got to block a field goal. Uh, and we're very fortunate that whatever the thinking was going on in the Washington State sideline to not go aggressively and try to score a touchdown and end up having to kick the field goal, uh, somebody was watching out for USC there because uh, – I mean, Washington State could have easily, you know, scored a touchdown and there wouldn't have been enough time left uh, for USC to get back in the game. So uh, that was a very fortunate finish, but USC shouldn't need a fortunate finish at home against Washington State. They really shouldn't. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're probably with me, uh, our guy from the Bay Area. Uh, that was uh, that's not the way it should have gone. Do you want to, uh, well, I, we have a, another question okay. kind of in the same vein. Uh, Dominic from South Bend says, after watching USC football this year, it's painfully obvious that USC is a soft, finesse team that relies on talent and sk- skill to win games. If you look at the 2018 team, they're trying to replace the team's top running back, wide receiver, and QB for the first time in 40 years. My point is that we shouldn't expect more than Pac-12 champions 
until the coaching staff practices to win and instead of practicing to lose? What are your thoughts? No, I mean, you know, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think USC's got the kind of program where you do reload. You don't, you don't have to, you know, get. I mean, there are a lot of places if you lose the best, your quarterback and your best running back and your, uh, you know, your best defender, your best pass receiver, you're in trouble. I don't think that's nearly the case at USC. I just think, you know, the, the fact that they do appear to be soft and they do appear to be, uh, depending on, uh, you know, the finesse of, you know, JT and Amon Ra and Tyler and Michael and those guys to, to get the job done. Uh, you'd like to see them be able to just say, look, we're going to line up and we're going to knock you off the line of scrimmage, Washington State. You're not big enough. You're not, you know, talented enough. You're not strong enough to, to line up against this. You don't get the sense that, that they always feel that. They might get it, you know, in a drive like they do in the opening drive, uh, but it's not like it's something that, that USC feels like they can sustain. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of that, again, maybe is the way uh, this team practices. You know, it's not, you know, they don't practice like a physical tough-minded team. And, uh, and, and it kind of shows, you know, in the games that, uh, that a lot of what USC gets done, they get done with talented players making plays. Um, Although we're not seeing that as much on defense now, but, uh, but on offense, we're seeing more talented players making more plays and they darn well had to. Uh, Washington State scored the most points that they've ever scored in, uh, I guess it was the 74th game of the, of the series, and they had never scored uh, 36 points in a game. So USC had to pretty much score 39 to win. That shouldn't be the case, but that's where we are. We had a voicemail question, uh, another on the defensive side of the ball. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is Sir Eric of Troy and Rancho Cucamonga. This question is for either the coach Harvey Hyde or for Dan Weber. Um, you know, I was noticing after our first three games, our defensive secondary just didn't seem very good to me, you know, at at all. Uh, it seems as though that the incomplete passes that did happen were because the quarterback pretty much missed the receiver, not because the coverage was very tight or very good. Then last night uh, against Washington State, when you had a grad transfer quarterback who could really, really thread the needle, he was just shredding our secondary. Couple that with the fact that it doesn't seem like we're getting a pass rush at all. Um, I'm just saying, I, I wonder if, if is it just me that thinks that our secondary is just not very good and our, our Clancy schemes for pass coverage is not working? Or are you guys seeing something that I'm missing? Uh, fight on, please. Uh, I hope to hear your answer. This is Sir Eric of Troy and Rancho Cucamonga. Thanks. Yes, Sir Eric. Uh, I mean, and, and, you know, it's hard to say when you think that, you know, Marvell Tell, some people consider him the best, you know, safety in the country. Uh, Phil Steele did. Um, uh, Iman Marshall's having a really good year. He's, uh, developed in ways and ways, you know, from last year to this year that, uh, that you really like what you're seeing. Um, you know, you had to fill in with a, you know, freshman in Talanoa Hafanga, but uh, a very talented, very athletic, uh, you know, big, strong, uh, quick kid. It just didn't look like they were prepared to handle what Washington State was doing. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that it's an individual thing. Uh, I know what the breakdown's seem to you know mostly come in zone although 
I think Isaiah Langley had a had a tough night. Um, he was uh, he was trailing and and just uh, just having difficulty locating the ball. Uh, but uh, but I thought that would be more of a, a a game plan and a coaching issue uh, Friday night. And, and you know, the fact that they weren't getting a you know a pass rush, you got to get a pass rush. You can't let a guy. I think basically uh, Gardner Minshew ran the ball. I think scrambled three times. And he threw 52 passes. So he dropped back 55 times. They got to him once with a dive on his ankle, you know, for a, like a yard loss. But that's unacceptable. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that just, that can't, you just can't, you caught it. I mean, this is a team that led the nation in sacks last year with 46. And look where they are now. I mean, it looked like they're, you know, playing in a slow motion. Uh, so, it all goes together. I don't know that you can isolate it on the players or just the secondary, but uh, but the defense left a, um, a lot to be desired uh, Friday. Giles Miles uh, wants to know what you just said. Uh, USC led the defense, uh, the nation in sacks last year. What has changed this year to make our pass rush so anemic? Yechenna uh, uh, Nuoso is not there. Okay, so that's 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 for one, uh, and yet. <laughs> You've got Porter Gustin kind of replacing him, and Porter, I think, is the second uh, active leader in NCA in sacks, career sacks. Uh, so, you know, it's not like you're replacing something with nothing. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I really can't tell you why uh, the production has dropped off. Uh, you know, is it a reflection of of, uh, of practice or? Uh, I don't think we have a really good answer, uh, to be honest, as to we just know it's happened. Now, part of that you could say is, well, they, they played two really good teams, Sanford and Texas, and now we think Texas is a really good team. They, they've decided, after you saw what they did against Texas Christian, Texas has decided they're a good team. We're not sure that they were an absolutely good team to start the USC game, but uh, they, they certainly seem to come together. Uh, USC got to figure out, you know, some things about the pass rush, and uh, the linebackers never seem to get there if they blitz. Um, the blitzes seem to be picked up uh, very easily, actually, and uh, and you know the rush lanes aren't always disciplined where you you know offer a quarterback a chance to to escape if if you do you know close in on him and all of that. Uh, but boy, it's got to be something that they they start working really, really hard on, and they've got to work this week. They're trying to turn, you know, um, because he's got a bad ankle and he keeps re-injuring it. Uh, Arizona's Khalil Tate. They're trying to turn him into a passer, and so I think USC has to get pressure on him uh, while still not letting JJ Taylor run crazy the way he did last weekend. But uh, but they got to they've got to figure it out. Got to get it done on the practice field. So that uh, you know that that they can do a better job than they did at Washington uh, against Washington State. Steven San Diego uh, wants to know: Do you think Akasadik Ware's single carry versus Washington State was payback for him speaking up about soft practices? I would imagine this is a sensitive issue for Clay Helton. Uh, he hears about soft practices all the time. No, I, I really don't think so at all. I mean, I you know you might not like the soft practices. And, and, and maybe people didn't want to hear what Aka Cedric had to say. I don't think that's how, how Clay uh, deals with things like that. Uh, you know, now, 
it was easy to have a little suspicion because uh, never once last week until Thursday's closed practice where we told that Akacedric had a had a, a knee pain issue. So I know you know that got people uh, being suspicious, but uh, I think you know part of it was uh, you know the knee pain issue, and part of it was uh, both Stephen Carr and uh, and Ravai were playing so well that uh, you know if you've got a kid who's uh, not 100%, uh, you just you don't you don't have to put him out there. Uh, so so I'm not a, a you know conspiracy theorist on uh, on Arca Cedric. I think uh, I think it was legit. I don't know why. They didn't mention uh, Monday and Tuesday that he was dealing with some knee pain. He was out there, you know, in, uh, not in pads like everybody else. Nobody was in full pads. So you didn't notice as much. Uh, but maybe that should have been mentioned if it was enough to to limit him in the game uh, uh, Friday, although they did mention it uh, after Wednesday's practice. Yeah, and I actually briefly caught up with Oxidor after the game on Friday, and he said that his knee started acting up a little bit in the first quarter. And I kind of joked and said, like, I'm making sure that you're not getting punished. And he said, no, no, they wouldn't do that to me. So I don't think that's it. I don't think said would lie like that, but it doesn't sound like a conspiracy theory out that's there. That's good. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, hey, before we jump back into the questions, I want to tell you about SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. They pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So it will search multiple ticket sites, and they grade all the tickets based on value. And so I've done this on my on the SeatGeek app on my phone. I checked it out. So for example, for the USC at Arizona game, they have the best deal. It'd be a, a row one. There's four tickets for 29 bucks. The lowest price, if you want to just go for the cheapest, is $13. So you can get some pretty reasonable tickets. You want to make a last minute uh, trip out to Tucson, you can go to SeatGeek. And all of our listeners here on the Peristyle Podcast, they will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you download the app, and enter promo code USC. That's promo code USC. You'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's at events. We have the tickets. All right, Dan, I got a, another voicemail question for you. We're going to roll into that. Curtis from Moreno Valley. This one's for Dan. Um, Wally, as soon as he's healthy, all we need to do is blitz him, send him in, Go in, wreak havoc. You don't have to contain anything. You don't have to cover anybody. Why is it so difficult to get a position for this man? He needs to be a missile. Send it, blitz him all the time with no containment responsibilities, none of that stuff. Just get in, wreak havoc. We don't care if you don't even, just get in. Don't, don't. Don't send him, blitz him all the time. Why, why hasn't he hit the field? He could do that. I bet you he could blitz every down. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Yeah, Curtis, I, I don't disagree with you, actually. Um, I think trying to turn him into a full-fledged football player who can drop into coverage and play the ball and do all that kind of stuff, I think that was probably uh, asking a little bit more than you, know, than you could of a kid who, who had played a lot more soccer uh, you know, in Nigeria than, and hadn't played any football. Uh, yeah, uh, turn him into, you know, a heat seeking missile or whatever. Uh, he still has, 
a little bit trouble uh, disengaging. And, and uh, you know, you probably got to just say, you know, we're going to work on that specially for you. You know, this is how you, uh, you know, you beat that blocking back if he drops back on you or whatever. But, but I like the idea of lining him up wide and just say, uh, you know, end at the quarterback right now. And that's all you do. You don't, you know, you don't do anything else. They've got guys in the NFL that, that they do that with. And they basically, uh, you know, do one thing. Um, wouldn't, the more we look at him, I mean, I think there was some thought that maybe he could put on enough weight and, and get his hand on the ground if he really, really, uh, you know, put all his, his effort into, into putting on good weight and get up, you know, the 280 or 285 or whatever. But, uh, I just don't think that's his body type. I, I, I like, you know, where he is now, 6'3", 250, and, and just a kid who can, who can fly. Um, I think that's where it's hard for coaches sometimes to just say, okay, he's not the standard you know, predator. He's not the standard defensive end. What can we do with him? And, you know, USC had some of that outside-the-box thinking on offense with the jumbo package and Brett Nealon and getting a number 99 on him. Now, if they can figure out what to do with the other uh, number 99, uh, that would be great when he gets healthy. Well, well, will he be healthy enough to, uh, after the, you know, the hip surgery? I don't think we know, we know that this year, but, uh, but I like that idea, actually. I like it a lot. Percy C. Tillman wants to know, why does the staff tease us with the run-first drive right down the field to take the lead, then abandon it for the rest of the game? Is it about game-slash-coaching intelligence or what? I have not coached football ever, but I can see that balance is overrated. They need to impose their will, take another team's confidence away, and put on a show for the Trojan fans. What is your take, sir? Yeah, I think balance is is, is kind of you know, goofy. I mean, I, I think you, you can't aim for balance. You got to aim to do something really well throwing the ball, and you got to aim to do really well running the ball if you can. And I think what happens is they'll catch somebody uh, by surprise a little bit, and they'll really pound it on them, and then the other team adjusts, and then they've got to you know adjust to the adjustment and, and all of that. I think they USC may. Uh, overemphasize the ability to adjust. I think that was a big part of the way Lane Kiffin coached, a big part of the way Steve Sarkeesian coached, and I think it's it's one of the things that uh, you know Clay has has taken from them, is that everything is you know point and counterpoint, and you just try to you know uh, uh, go against what they do instead of maybe a little more of the Vince Lombardi school of we're going to do what we do and we're we dare you to stop us. And we're going to do it so well and, you know, so physically uh, we're coming at you and, and see if you can stop it. I don't see much of that with USC. It's, it's more like, well, if they line up like this, we can't run the ball. We have, you know, I mean, the problem is it's not a bad thing to have JT throwing the ball to all those wide receivers that USC has. I mean, if they don't throw the ball the other night, they might've been really hard pressed to, to win that game. Maybe they could have, you know, had the ball more and Washington state wouldn't have been able to uh, have as many possessions and score 36 points. But, uh, but it's not the worst thing in the world to, to have to throw the ball with USC. I mean, if it were me, I'd probably with this team, the way they're constituted with an offensive line, that's as dependable as this offensive line. And I use dependable and uh, not necessarily a, uh, 
complimentary way, but with this offensive line and knowing the tendencies for penalties and mistakes and, and what have you, uh, the, the danger of trying to go on long drives, that's, a, that's kind of a difficult thing. So, I mean, we had, uh, I guess, um, what do we see? We saw uh, JT with 26 pass attempts to uh, Gardner Minshew's 52. I'd be really interested if you went into a game like that and had JT throw the ball 52 times. I mean, he, he threw it for 241 yards on 26 passes. How many yards would he have thrown for if he got 52? Uh, so I think, you know, if I'm USC looking at the situation, and I know people want to run the ball, and I know they said they wanted to be run first, I don't think they've exactly coached them like a run first team, like a physical team, like a, you know, a power team. Uh, but uh, if you've got to pick one thing or the other for an offensive line to be able to do, I think you're more like, like Washington state. You may not have the, you know, four and five star linemen, but you can teach them to pass block. If they get it right every single time uh, you can give that quarterback enough time. So if I were USC and you had to pick one or the other, I think I'd throw the ball 52 times rather than, than try to run it more. I think if you threw the ball really, really well with four wide receivers and you didn't have a tight end, I think you'd have a running game that was pretty good just because teams would have to so much defend the pass and have to back off secondary and linebackers. And uh, the guys up front would have to be concentrating on getting to the quarterback. And then with the good running backs USC has, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from their running backs. Those guys would be able to pop through. I think he'd be able to, to, to have a pretty decent run game, but it would have to be set up by the pass game. But that's just me. I'm not a big balanced person. I'm more like do what they can't defend or do what you can do well and then just keep doing it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the problem is you looked at Washington State. This was a transfer quarterback who's you know only been around there for a few months. That looked like a team with a distinct identity you knew exactly what they were doing it looked like Minshew's been in that system for three years and USC does not look like they have an identity when you run every play in the first drive and go for 80 yards and pound it down and then it becomes a throwing fades all over the place and getting a lot of pass interference calls like it worked out but it was like it just didn't seem like USC you knew what they were going to do it could have been anything on any given drive And, and with Washington State you knew exactly what they were going to be. And it was like this precision surgical passing strike that was really, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, they were, they were good. Well, and engineered by a guy from East Carolina who probably hasn't been to the Western part of, uh, excuse me, the Eastern <laughs> part of Washington in his life. And, you know, got there either spring or summer. And you knew so the fact that we knew exactly what they were going to look like and what they were going to do tells you they've got a system. And they've got an identity. And uh, I think somebody on the, I think it was a good comment on the board said, uh, for, for Washington State, it's plug and play. For USC, it's plug and pray uh, <laughs> on offense, <laughs> which I thought, you know, might be a little over the top. But uh, uh, yeah, Washington State, it's like, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to just keep doing what they do because that's what they do well. And that's what they've got the athletes to do you would like USC to be in that same place. Uh, they're not. Clay Helton has been asked before about 
the identity of the offense and he said it's balance. But if you had to describe what USC does on offense to someone who's never seen USC play, what would you say? How would you describe this offense? I thought, you know, T. Martin uh, two years ago was exactly right. It's gumbo. <laughs> yeah, you just throw a bunch of stuff in there. Did it's, T. really um, say that? I thought that was something you said. <laughs> that was T. that said that? Yeah, no, T's, T's, you know, T's a guy from Mobile. He's a gumbo guy. How the heck oh, no, did no, I no, miss no. that? I always thought that was something that you coined. I didn't realize, like, T was describing No, that. no, no, I got that from T. Uh, Jeez. T is a, you know, T's a, you know, a, a, a South Alabama gumbo guy. And that's what he said, because at that time, they still had, you know, remnants of Lane's offense and remnants of Sark's offense and, uh, and, and Clay. You know, had become you know the coach, and then T was was uh, the play caller. So uh, uh, T was the one that came up with gumbo. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you throw it all in the pot and see what you see what you get. Uh, and it's still kind of that way. It, it's kind of you know, it, it, and, and there is an identity to gumbo. I mean, you know, you know what gumbo is when you get it, but uh, but that's. Uh, and that's what we see. I mean, you can't predict where USC is going to go uh, on their second series or their third series or fourth and one at the goal line. Although now maybe they've got an identity at least in short yardage and goal line. I mean, I really like the idea of uh, of Brett Neal and, uh, and coming in there. And that showed me, I mean, it, it makes me wonder with his quick feet and, you know, he's 295 pounds and his quick feet, is there not a place for him on the offensive line? You know, yeah. I like those quick feet. <laughs> that looks good. And they, they respond. I mean, they were firing off the ball and, and just knocking people down. Uh, and you go like, whoa, I haven't seen that in a while. Um, so, so maybe, you know, there will be some development as we go along. But um, I think Gumbo says it perfectly. A little bit of everything. Dan, I got some. Not run first. Oh. I'm sorry about that. Okay. I got some tw- Twitter outrage after Clay Hilton's press conference after the game because he said people so he was getting some praise for that, you know, the the eye formation and running the ball out and stuff. And the fact that he said, yeah, we just put that in this week, that upset people. They're like, wait, why wasn't this <laughs> why wasn't this part of the package before? So even when he does something that people like, there was still some outrage there because it was something that was quote unquote new this past week. Well, it's like when you praise the Pac-12 network, like, hey, they're going to have this on, and you get the response, what do I care? I can't get it. Or uh, <laughs> this year, the Pac-12 network said, we're really going to emphasize football. This is like year six of the Pac-12 <laughs> network. It's a really, and you think, I'm supposed to put that out and tell people, hey, this year they're going to emphasize football? And you think, <laughs> and that's going to get you praised? No, they're going <laughs> to scream at you for where were you the past five years, you know, but uh but yeah, you're right. That that doesn't always get the praise that maybe some people think it it would because did, did that, that is catch a pretty logical question. When he said that though, did that sound weird? Like, wait, why is it just being put in now? You know, my thought was, I like it that you actually a thought about doing something differently. You weren't stubborn, and b you did it well enough so that they looked really comfortable executing it in the game so i was so thrilled about those two parts of it i hadn't i didn't even go there with the uh why the hell is it taking this long but uh that's a very <laughs> legitimate uh that's a, that's the third thought i i think you would have uh, about this yeah 
Nick from Cyprus wants to know, what was the difference in your opinion um, that changed between the first half and the second half with the offense? And do you think if USC plays like they did in the second half for the remainder of the season, they can get us, get it through the Pac-12 schedule? I think some of the things that happened with USC against Pac-12 teams is they just got more players. They got more athletes. They got more, uh, more talent. And the longer games go, they – ought to have a, you know, a chance and they've been a pretty good fourth quarter team. And I think the, and Clay was all excited because they were 15, they, you know, they won the fourth quarter 15 to six, uh, thanks to the uh, field goal block. But, uh, uh, I just think, you know, the more plays and the more they play USC ought to, they ought to prevail. I mean, they've got, they can play more players on both sides of the ball, uh, or should be able to, uh, you know, than the people they're playing in the Pac-12, and uh, so I think it's, it's, I think it's more that. Although I do think there there becomes uh, kind of a confidence factor that you know USC goes into games, and I'm not sure they're always confident coming out of practice of what they're going to be able to do and what they're not. And by the time you get into the pretty deeply into the second half, they know what they can do, and they do it with uh, with more confidence. So I think it's a combination of of confidence and uh, and just having more athletes, uh, especially Char- at home. Well, speaking of talented athletes, Charlotte Lacour said, "Is USC just a conglomerate of talented players who are never going to play as a team?" I mean, that's uh, that's the issue. I think uh, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it is amazing that that's the number four roster in the country. Because when have they looked like the number four roster in the country? I mean, that's. Uh, that's the you know, that's why they have coaches and that's why they pay them all that money is to take those guys and figure out um, how to you know get them from here to there and and on top of the you know the problem you've got the two freshmen playing great I mean might be your two best players and so you know the rest of that roster you would think if you get you know two freshmen that come in and play like that right off you know off the you know the the bat then uh, you ought to have enough players to 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 get the job done, and uh, I think it's interesting. This is a team that has the second longest home win streak in the country at 18 games behind Alabama's 19, and yet this is a team that on the road, yeah, you, you it you know it feels like that home win streak is like totally disconnected, like the confidence and the ability to you know play from behind and the ability to you know play to the end of the game and all of that it doesn't go on the road at all. I mean, very seldom in the last three years. And, and that's something that uh, the, another thing that they've got to figure out is how do you, you know, get a team with this talent to play with confidence on the road. And, uh, you know, we're going to see, uh, see Saturday in Tucson where they are in terms of playing with confidence on the road. But uh, this is, Two different teams when it comes to home and home and road. I mean, it's amazing when you look at the people. I mean, uh, that are on like the top ten list of teams with home win streaks. Almost all of them are on USC schedule. Stanford's on there. Notre Dame's on there. Texas is on there. These are all teams USC's had to play. Maybe that's the answer that they've had to play other teams that are really pretty good at home. Uh, I don't know, but uh, they've got to figure out some way to be the team on the road that they are at home. Jason wants to know, is it just me or does Vi Malapai have the best vision, power running, and cutting ability of all of the backs? Ooh. 
He's pretty good out there. I think his vision and his, his ability to change uh, and stop and start and, and, and his lateral acceleration, I think, you know, plant and go is really good. I think, I think you're right about the vision part of it. I think he really does. Um, he really does see where uh, the seam is and where it is when it's changing and, and on the move. Uh, power runner. I'm not sure. I think it's really hard to evaluate this team about power runners because you just don't see it happen. Because I don't know that power runners work without power uh, linemen in front of them. And uh, this is not a team that seems to be built up front for power running. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, Aka Cedric has been a good slasher inside. I mean, I think all of them have the ability to get those last yard or two when it looks like somebody might you know take you down or whatever and you need you know whatever to get a first down but as far as just that kind of guy that can line up and just you know bust in there when there really isn't a hole and all that i'm not sure any one of them is over and above any of of the other two i think they all have about about the same ability but you don't get a big sample size because that's just not what they do uh, on this team in terms of running the ball Although maybe now it changes. Maybe we'll see. Uh, obviously, with kneeling in front of him, and, uh, you know, I think the one time we saw bodies flying, and, and, you know, some of those were USC linemen flying after kneeling had run into him. Uh, but, uh, though I looked awfully good, uh, following, uh, uh, following Brett. I thought that was, uh, that was impressive. We haven't seen that enough to, to maybe know. It'd be nice if we get to see it a lot. Tark wants to know, is there anything USC can do to stop being slotted in the late night slot of Pac-12 games in back-to-back weeks? They could lose. I mean, I think then you'd get <laughs> even a worse, you know, you might not even get on the late night. Yeah, I mean, when you're the lead-in game, I can't even remember what the lead-in game was. It was such a bad, bad game uh, before the USC game. I, I don't even remember uh, the 7.30 game. Uh, West Coast time, although it would have been a, I guess a 4:30 game. No, wait, that would have been a 7:30 game, East Coast time, uh, and then the USC gets a 10:30 game, East Coast time. Uh, you, yeah, you'd you'd like to think that game can't generate enough dollars to make it worthwhile for what it does uh, uh, to your fan base and and the people saying, look, I don't want to be getting home as late as I'm going to get home after that, you know, after a late, late night game. So, yeah, I, I just think, you know, but I don't think USC's got a control over it unless they would do what Ohio State and Michigan and people like that who really take their program seriously when they told the Big Ten Network, you can play Friday night games. We're not playing in them. You know, it's that simple. You know, get somebody else. We don't do that at Ohio State or Michigan or places where they actually take themselves seriously. I mean, for example, USC ends up, by playing that game, going head-to-head with one of the best high school games maybe in history, uh, I, you know, the IMG Modern Day game. And that's why you don't play Friday night games, because you don't want to be going head-to-head with high school games. And here, you know, in the USC you know, fan-based fan, you know, footprint, you have maybe as good a high school game as people will ever get to see, and they can't see it because... USC's playing on Friday night. That's a, that's a really bad idea. And USC's got to start seeing it up for itself and telling the Pac-12, 
we're not doing it. And they absolutely shouldn't have done it this year in a Coliseum that's under construction with no parking uh, during Friday night rush hour. One of the amazing things with coming to the game is there are like thousands of cars everywhere you went, you know, uh, complete gridlock. And yet there were no fans because nobody could get there. So you got the worst of all possible worlds. You got cars jammed everywhere on rush hour and you got fans who aren't there because it's too difficult. That's just a really USC has to start standing up for itself and maybe they will, but you wouldn't want to bet on it. Would you? Neil from Manila wants to know why USC's defense has struggled, especially on third downs. Uh, He says they have mostly the same group as last year, but could that be the cause of the step back? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think Yachena, losing Yachena, his suddenness changed things uh, on big plays. He was a third-down playmaker uh, for sure. Um, but as far as um, the secondary's inability, I mean, I thought from what we've seen this year, I think they've coached the secondary better. Uh, I think they, you know, they, they see the football better. They play the ball better. They're not committing the dumb penalties as much but they still don't seem to have the ability to make the play on the, on the football. And I don't know if that's, you know, just in general uh, of not playing fast enough and competing hard enough in practice. And, and, and it starts catching up with you. I don't know, but they were like a day late and a dollar short much of the time on third and long. They just, you know, seem to be playing it way too safe. And uh, because you would watch and you'd watch the, the receivers make their breaks and you'd still be waiting for the USC defenders to uh, come, you know, up in the zone and, and, and get to where, you know, it was like they were, they were stuck at a prepositioned, uh, you know, place. And the uh, Washington State kids were just catching the ball in front of them. And uh, I just, I, I wasn't at all, I've said it a number of times, pleased with the way USC played their zone the other night. They just didn't seem to be, they just seemed to be, you know, we're going to keep everything in front of us and we're not going to let you throw over us, but uh, uh, they let uh, Washington state dominate uh, time of possession and number of plays. And I don't think that should ever happen in a USC Washington state game when you get dominated time of possession and, and number of plays by Washington state just shouldn't happen. Hey Dan, there was a comment or a thread started on the fight on forum, like on uscfootball.com. And uh, I wanted to kind of bring this up with you. He was asking, it was, uh, I don't know how, eating Bobo or something, but um, practicing on Monday, he said, well, since USC had an extra day off, was there any talk about having an extra day of practice getting ready for the Arizona game? Did you hear anything about that? I mean, we were told they were going to take the the extra day off, but um, I don't think, you know, I don't think we, we'll find out today uh, whether, what did they do exactly? uh, in terms of because they they lost a day last week, uh, I know there are some accounting things that you got to do in terms of 20 hours of uh, football in a seven day period. So I'm not sure. Did USC have to count Sunday as or Saturday as the you know the last day of the of last week, and then Sunday is one of their days off for this week, and then they got back into regular Monday uh, where they have a walkthrough. I think that's how they did it, but. Uh, until we check with them, we won't know for sure. They they didn't go into the details of 
of how they were going to do it. But I thought they had to take uh, a day for last week and a day for this week uh, back to back, I think. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Is that, do you got anything else, Keely? Are we good? Um, I think that's pretty much it for now. We can send you the rest of the questions, Dan. You can answer those. Yeah. Little call me. Not <laughs> okay. as bad. Like there was last not week. Not as I think many we, as last week. <laughs> how many pages of questions did we not get to last week? It was like five there's, pages. There's like 2,500 2, words. Uh, <laughs> of, you know, that's like two and a half. Uh, uh, yeah, that was, uh, those were a lot of questions and a lot of long questions. They're, they're questions that are as much answers as they are questions yeah or please or whatever but uh yeah people were pretty frustrated last week and they let it pour out so i did answer them all so they all they were all in there uh, uh saturday and and we got unsolicited answers and uh and really good stuff from people i, I will say this uh but uh, uh yeah you would think this week won't be quite as bad but uh we know, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely not as bad. And, and again, if you got a really long question, it's hard to to read all of that on the podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you drop by the forums if you're not posting there already, either Peristyle for all the VIP members, or if you just want to post for free, you don't, you know, you don't have to pay anything. Just go to the Fight On forum and uh, post in there. A lot of USC fans in there. You can chat with them, write your whole dissertation in there, and then uh, get people to comment on it. Now, be ready because people are going to comment. Some will like it, some won't. So just get in there and uh, and post on the forums. We're all we're all on there too. But um, if it's a long question, that's not might not be a bad way to go. All right. Well, I guess we're gonna wrap it up. Got to head over to practice, guys. So uh, Dan, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Good questions, and uh, it's all about practice, right? Yeah, we'll see what practice is like. And Keely, thanks for coming in the studio and taking care of everything, producing the show. You got it. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, that's Dan. Uh, that's Keely. And I'm Ryan. Thank you for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll have a preview of USC in Arizona tomorrow. Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority. Maybe we'll try to fit in a, uh, a recruiting podcast this week. And Keely and Shotgun will have their uh, most likely their Family Feud podcast on Thursday. Our live show will be Thursday, too. So. Uh, check all that stuff out. Plenty of stuff going up. If you want to listen, you want to watch on uscfootball.com. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 